Welcome to the Human and Technology Podcast. This podcast is for anyone who develops, distributes or uses technology. For all those who always have the feeling that technology overwhelms or dominates them. For everyone who wants to know how to deal with technology in everyday life. For anyone who wants to understand what technology does to us and how we can get our lives back. This podcast is for those who want to make technology sexy. All the product developers, designers, UX, UI professionals, product managers, CTOs and CEOs. And it is for you. My name is Dr. Peter Reska. My friends call me Dr. Peter. I am your host and I am happy that you are here. I am standing on the shoulders of giants. Of course, I mean, I have um, more than 30, almost 35 years of experience in um, HMIs, human-machine interfaces, usability, user experience, most of that in the automotive industry. And um, during all this time, I developed my own points of view. I collected my, my experiences. Um, I, I have uh, had good and bad days and um, I think I gained quite a good knowledge on, on the practice that I have. But uh, all of this is not coming out of nowhere. There is a solid basis and um, I am standing on the shoulders of giants. Um, so this uh, podcast is about three books um, that I read, three books that um, I read and that influenced my my view on HMIs and, and the development of uh, human-machine interfaces on usability and, and user experience. I love reading. Um, I have something like, um, I don't know, 500 books on my ebook reader. About a hundred of them are unread, so I still have a big stock, a big pile, a big backup um, of books um, that uh, I, I want to read. From my point of view, books are the perfect way to get into the brains of the great, to get into the brains, into the thinking, into the understanding of uh, what these great guys, these giants have done to, to my area of, of uh, research and, and work. And I learned from them. I, I love to learn from them. And um, it's always worthwhile to get into the thinking of, uh, of giants, of, of people that um, were before me and um, of people that uh, have done a great job in, in developing HMIs and implementing usability and creating user experience. And, well... This uh, podcast episode is about three books um, out of that area, and um, well, I hope that I can I can inspire you to grab them and to have a look and uh, to to read them to understand where I am coming from, where uh, my my thinking is based on, and um, maybe it will inspire you as as well. So, the first book I'd like to talk about 
is of Donald Norman. It is the design of everyday things. Um, I think it was his first book ever published. He has um, has a row of very, very good books like uh, the design of future things or um, the complexity of things and however they're called. But um, his initial um, initial book, his initial publication, The Design of Everyday Things, is the one that uh, seems to be the basis of, of everything and that I read and, and I, I breathed it into my brain and, and, and uh, I... I uh, Uh, yeah, I, I implemented that in, into my thinking. The latest edition in English is from uh, 2013, so it's not the very latest one. The original is, I think, almost 20 years uh, older than that. Um, I mean, that is for all the books here. It's not the fresh new stuff, but it's more like the big things it's more like um i mean over time will tell how good these books are and and i mean they're on the market since quite some time and so um yeah they have uh, proved um, their their knowledge uh, against reality and um i think that that's what a good book uh, needs to do Norman starts uh, with a definition of design and his perspective uh, on design basically saying it's it's not only the shape of things, it's not how things look like, but it is a far more common, it's a far broader uh, approach that he is using, saying, okay, um, the de design is, is um, the design, the construction of the entire human-machine interaction. I mean, a product speaks, a product has a language, a product should be communicating to its users and the other way around. I mean, there should also be an information transfer from the user into any kind of product or system. And it is his... Um, Uh, a view um, on on what design is, so it's it's not only or it's not at all uh, from his point of view uh, about how good a thing is, what color it has, or uh, whether it's round or not. But it's the entire design of the interaction between a product and a human. For him, technology is worthless without good design, and. Uh, This is one of the messages that, that I'm carrying around as well all the time. I mean, technology is not a value in itself. It is not good just because it's there. And for me, engineering is not the science of the possible, but engineering is the science of the useful. And if a product, a service, um, a screen or whatever has a good design it means that it has a value it, technology creates this value for users and, and gives value makes lives better makes lives easier faster more beautiful um, so it has a, has a value and this design designed by means of uh, as, as norman design uh, it defines it um, that means that uh, Uh, you have this value and this value is created by 
uh, it's it, the interaction and 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 uh, the the communication between product and end user. For Norman, good design is self-explanatory. This again is one of the core things in any kind of HMI design and any kind of usability um, that you should uh, go for, that a product explains itself, that a surface of a product says, this is what I am, this is how it works, and this is what you can do with me. And um, a good design communicates this directly to the user so that he or she knows exactly, all right, this is what it's for, and this is how I do it, and this is what I get out of this product. Good design communicates with the user. It explains the functions, it makes it accessible, It's easy to see one glimpse, one sight, and you know, oh, this is what I need to do. This is what, uh, these are the steps that I have to take to uh, reach the results I want to result in an interaction with uh, any, any kind of, of machine. And uh, he puts people, he puts humans into the focus of design. So it's not so much about the technology, It's not so much about a single designer, a programmer, a product designer, a manager, but it's the human. It is the needs of the human. It is the skills and the ability of, of humans. It's the dreams and the wishes that need to be reflected in the design of things, of services, of products, of, uh, of any kind of technology. So put the human in the focus of uh, the design and, and you will reach results that are outstanding. You will have products that have a far bigger success. So far, a rough summary of Donald Norman's The Design of Everyday Things. The second book is uh, written by Alan Cooper. It is called The Inmates Are Running the Asylum. And um, I met Alan Cooper at a conference in uh, 2005, 6, 7. Must have been in that uh, range of time. And I found him super fascinating. He, he is a great speaker. He's extremely entertaining, but also delivering tons of value um, when you hear him speak, when you talk to him, he is full of wisdom and he is, uh, yeah, he's exactly that mixture of entertainment and uh, education that we all love to have on these conference talks, on these keynotes. And his book, The Inmates Are Running the Asylum, uh, was published in uh, 2004. And uh, it starts with a pretty provocative um, chapter saying, if you cross a computer with something, with whatever it is, then you will get a computer. And when you have a computer, you will have all the computer problems. And, I mean, if you cross a car with a computer, you get a computer on wheels with computer problems. 
If you combine a TV or a screen with a computer, you get a computer with a bigger screen for entertainment, you call TV or smart TV, and you get all the computer problems that you have there. And wherever you go, if you go to kitchen machines or toothbrush or whatever, whenever you have a piece of computing in a certain uh, device that had been pretty good and well-established before you did this, you always end up getting computer problems. And he is listing pages and pages of examples, and most of them are read pretty funny. What I find uh, very astonishing in this context is, I mean, this book is more than 15 years old now, and I still have the feeling that we have not yet really solved this problem, that you get computer problems when you put computing power into whatever device. If you spice up a service with a computer, you suddenly get the typical computer problems. Where does this come from? Um, Cooper invents the term homo technicus or homo logicus, um, which means that this is a special kind of human. This is, um, I mean, people developing technology, the engineers, the software guys, the uh, physicists, the, the mathematicians, um, they all seem to be a bit different from, from the rest of the world. And I mean, I have studied mechanical engineering and psychology, so I have parts of this homo technicus in me, in myself as well. Um, but uh, after reading uh, the book of, of Cooper and, and after seeing him in, in, in this keynotes, I realized, all right, um, there is a part in me, in my brain, in my thinking, um, that uh, makes me somehow different from others and gives me a different understanding. And once you realize this, um, you can step back from this and you can say, all right, um, this may be a homo logicus or homo technicus solution, but I am designing products for people that have a different brain. And it's really just like brains of these technical people. They are wired and they are trained in a different way than, let's put it this way, normal brains, meaning non-technical brains. And uh, one of the things I talked about If you, if you cross a computer with uh, whatever, it, it gets a computer and you get computer problems. Uh, maybe 10% of, of humanity have this uh, engineering brain and the others do not have it. But um, the, the 10% of engineers and, and software guys, they control, and they steer and they shape the lives of all the others. And that makes the big problem. And I mean, if you talk to a technician about an HMI, about a product and about a, a piece of technology that he had designed, you will, all, of course, find it super easy to to understand and, and, and very easy to use. And, and, and he doesn't understand what the problems are. And So um, if you are a homo technicus, be aware that you are one, that your brain is wired in a different way and um, it works in a different way. And that there are others out you design products for and that should not be designed, designed according to, to the technical brains. 
Another expression Cooper introduces in his book is the dancing bearware. And um, I, I really like this idea. Um, he refers to um, the old uh, southeastern European habits, uh, old by means of 17th, 18th, maybe 19th century, um, that people from the woods were uh, taking a bear, a bear to the villages, and um, the bear had a ring through his nose, which is extremely painful for these animals. And um, the, the, these guys uh, were taking the animals to, to villages and said, hey, I have a dancing bear. And um, then um, the bear had to stand up. And because it was so painful for him to have this ring in, in, in his nose, uh, in its nose, It started, uh, yeah, moving left, right, left, right. And um, the, the guy said, yeah, have a look. This is a dancing bear. Isn't that super crazy? I taught this bear to dance and this bear can dance. And I mean, people were somewhat impressed by this. But uh, with an objective view, would have found out, no, it's not dancing. This bear is just awfully ex experiencing awful pain and... Uh, moving from one foot to the other, trying to escape from the situation. It's just announced as a dancing bear, and it's not beautiful at all. And uh, Cooper uses this picture to describe ugly, bad, poorly designed products, and particularly poorly designed software. He calls it a dancing bearware. And uh, I mean, product managers and, and top managers from software companies come out and say, hey, guys, we have this beautiful piece of uh, perfect software and uh, it does this and this does that. And all the non-technical persons say, wow, what can it do? But if you have a closer look, you find out it's dancing bearware. It is announced to do something great. It is doing something totally different. And it's not really good. So, yeah. Um, dancing bearware. Functions are about usability and usefulness is another statement. He makes it okay. Um, think about functionality of a system by means of is this useful? Is this really adding value? Is this really, um, yeah, making the life of people better? And, um, I mean, uh, 15 years after this book has been published, I talked uh, to the HMI guy, the top HMI guy from one of the German uh, automotive OEMs, and he says it took him more than 10 years. But now, if there is a feature in the navigation system which is not really useful, it is kicked. And it took him 15 years to realize this that features are only useful when they have a use, when there is a purpose, when there's a value behind it. And it's not about just having one more feature to make a system even bigger and complex. And I mean, just because your competitor has this feature, it may not be necessary that you have this as well. Cooper then talks about uh, the ROI of usability, um, the return on investment. And I think I will make a separate episode on this one. But he clearly states, and I know this, this is true, bad design costs money and customers. 
Particular in, in days like these, when you go to, to big online pages, uh, shopping portals, um, there you always find uh, uh, feedback, user feedback on products. And if there's says over and over again, this product is hard to use, um, this is very badly designed, this is not having a value, I mean, you will uh, lose your customers and you will lose money when you when you have to redesign your product so that is easier to use and you may even lose trust in you and your products and your brands when there is uh, enormous amounts of negative feedback uh, like hard to use impossible to use uh, clumsy to use whatever and he says design for pleasure we as usability hmi experts tend to drop or forget uh, the user experience, the pleasure part of the entire thing. And, I mean, technology shall be fun. It shall be not only easy to use, but also fun to use. And this is what is defined as user experience. We shall design complete experiences for people with technology. And there is this uh, big computing company uh, out of Cupertino, that is extremely good in designing for pleasure, for experiences. And although it is not perfect, far from perfect, uh, all the users believe, yes, this is a perfect design and a perfect ecosystem and everything works smoothly. Spoiler, it does not. But um, it is still super easy. And yeah, so they're designing for pleasure. They're communicating that one. And under any aspect of their communication, their technology, their HMIs, their usability, pleasure is a core thing. Cooper then introduces um, the concept of the personas. Here again, um, I will have another separate episode on um, personas, what they are. Just a very rough summary. Um, personas are imagined persons, artificial persons, uh, that represent certain user groups. And you say, you give them names, and they have a picture, and they have a, a problem to solve, um, they have um, attitude towards technology, they have certain characteristics. So whatever is required to describe a user group. And you may have someone like John, and John is 73 and has never used any smartphone before and is very critical, but has his first one now, and so on and so on. And then on the other side, you have Kevin, and uh, Kevin is 17 years old, uh, grew up with smartphones and is very much into this and this and that. And then when you design your system, you always ask yourself, how will John work with this? How will John like this? Or is this one okay for Kevin? Is Kevin uh, into this one? Is he is he satisfied with this? So you have this personas, and um, I mean, you can do this in a, in a very rough way um, by just writing down what you know or believe to know about your your customers, about your end users. Um, I know about an automotive supplier that spent two million euros slash dollars to create a set of personas for uh, Europe, uh, North America, and China. So there's quite some time and some effort you should uh, put into this 
to have a well-designed set of personas that, that will help you. Cooper continues um, with a couple of advices. Set up interdisciplinary teams. Um, bring in people with different backgrounds. So my team at, at Harmon, where I spent 12 years, um, had people with a background in uh, graphic design, product design, screen design, but also technical writers, engineers, um, psychologists, uh, linguists, sociologists. So a broad variety of different disciplines in a team because the interaction between a human and a machine, um, an HMI design, is always uh, has, has different aspects and is always a complex um, issue. So you may have auditory exchange, you may have visual exchange, yeah, you will definitely have a psychological component in how are things done, how are things solved. So this is um, always a good thing if you have the chance to build an interdisciplinary UX, UI team, do it. He uses scenarios, which are stories, um, storylines that you tell, then the use cases, um, use cases by, all right, I want to do this with the software, how can I do this? And also edge cases. Um, Edge cases are use cases that uh, come up very seldom. He um, recommends the use of focus groups and, of course, a lot of user testing on any stage of the development. Cooper, and this is the final point on this book, uh, wants to create an awareness of power structures. How are decision make? Uh, how are decisions made? In, in companies and um, there is a saying in the community um, that goes like show me your HMI and I will draw you org chart for you and um, sometimes you can really have a look at a software you can really say okay there was this department and they must have been pretty strong because their menu points are shown on a very prominent location in the HMI on the screen or they are shown in a very prominent way. And uh, others must have been pretty poor in their performance, other departments, and so their features are not so much on the surface. And um, if a design is, is good, if uh, you have a good usability and a positive user experience, if your HMI is well done, then you had someone like a UX, UI person or department that moderated the entire process, that brought in the external views and at the very end of the day drilled it down to a very simple and easy to use HMI. All right, that was the second book, Alan Cooper, The Inmates Are Running the Asylum. Let's go on to the third book that we're having and that's from Giles Colborn called Simple and Usable, which is... Um, Yeah, I think one of the most convincing um, titles you can have in a usability book. And um, Colborn focuses very much on simplicity. Just make it easy. And uh, the strange thing about simplicity is it is the most complex parameter you have to take care of if you want to design an HMI. This is something I'm 
always discussing with, discussing with my clients that started at Harman, where the CTO came to me and said, hey, Peter, you have the easiest job. Just do KISS. Keep it straight and stupid. Yes, um, very good target, um, but it's not an easy job. It is a pretty hard and a pretty complex job to create simplicity. And Colvin discusses this issue of, dis uh, of simplicity under, under various uh, aspects. The book itself is um, more like a picture book. So uh, every second page um, is with a full-size, full-page picture um, to describe this. Um, this makes it very easy to read, very easy to understand. And uh, yeah, it's, it's a mixture of a textbook and, and a picture book. Uh, the edition I'm having is uh, the second edition from 2017, so it's pretty fresh. The first one is three or four years older, um, so also a book that is on the market since quite some time, um, but uh, uh, still very valid. So very clean, very clear, lots of examples, very colorful pictures, easy to read, and yeah, it's almost, so now it's fun, it's fun to have a look at this book. At the end, he promotes four strategies. So um, he has these four strategies to create simplicity. The first one is remove and prioritize, meaning put priority to things. And if you don't need something, drop it. Remove things from surfaces, remove complexity, remove features. And this meets... Uh, Norman and, and, and Cooper as well. By just doing a good design, it is very often just kicking things that are not required. Organize space, time, chunking, grids, size, place, color. Organize your screens, organize your HMI, organize your interaction. So you have more than one parameter. You have tons of parameters like where do I put things? How do I display things? What color, what size, what shape do they have? How can I group them? This is what uh, chunking means, grouping things together. And when and where do I show certain information? And so the organization of the entire HMI is a core thing to reach simplicity. Height features. We have this just like remove or organize always leads to hiding things, not in a negative way, but by removing complexity in technology and allow personalization. This, from my point of view, is a bit critical. I mean, personalization, yes, should be possible. Um, There is, I mean, you have, you may have explicit uh, personalization and implicit uh, personalization. Explicit personalization means that you as a user say, I want to see these six buttons always on top of my screen. Or I want to have this in the color of green and not in the color of blue. So you're having this one uh, and, and you have to, you can, you can set up your HMI the way you want it. There are two, let's say, doubtful problems or two problems. There are two problems in that. One is that the HMI for the personalization 
very often is extremely complex and very hard to use. And you use it maybe just once. You make your settings and say, okay, this is the way I want it. And then you go out and, and I mean, you, you put a lot of effort into it and in, in, in turning an HMI from blue to green or from green to yellow. And um, so this is a bit of a problem. And maybe you just don't know what happens if you say, okay, I want to switch my personalized HMI from easy to use to medium complexity. What happens? What, what's going to happen afterwards? What's going to change in there? So that's the problem with explicit personalization. And then you have implicit personalization. This is when the HMI adapts itself according to how you use it and how often you use things and uh, how often you fail in, in, uh, in certain things. And um, this leads to, I mean, you learn an HMI and you find out, all right, this menu point is here. You go there next time, maybe after three months or six months not using that particular menu point, and you just don't find it anymore because it is hidden. It is moved to somewhere else or whatever happened to it. And then um, you will find it pretty difficult uh, to, to, um, to, to find uh, the, the, the right button or to perform the right action that you want to do. So basically, yes, personalization, maybe even hiding things, maybe good things to simplify HMIs. But be careful with that. And then um, Colvin, his uh, fourth strategy on simplifying HMI is uh, moving. Um, this means that either on the device you can move functions or you can move them to other devices. And this is what um, I call liquid HMIs, meaning that... Uh, The HMI itself uh, may be in the car, but parts of it leak onto your smartphone through an app that you have. And then you can control certain things either from outside the car or because it's easier to use with a smartphone. And, and so you have moved certain functions between devices. This has very strong advantages, but this also carries the danger of doing it awfully wrong. Okay, so much about um, these uh, three books. In a summary, I talked about Donald Norman's Design of Everyday Things. Um, very good, very basic, um, uh, very thoughtful. Then Alan Cooper's uh, The Inmates Are Running the Asylum. That was the second book. Um, great book uh, with a very generic view, but in the end, very detailed description on how to design a good HMI. And Charles Corbon's simple and usable, very picturesque, very colorful, very clear, written and at the end brought down to four strategies. Um, for me, two of them 100% fit, uh, two others maybe 75% fit. We stand on the shoulders of giants and we get there onto the shoulders of these giants by reading their books. I hope I inspired you with that and um, climb onto their shoulders by reading their books. That's it for today. Thank you for spending time with me. I hope you were able to take something with you and... Do something for yourself that will be forever. 
For an ongoing exchange, you will find me on LinkedIn and on my websites peter-rusko.com and beyond-hmi.de Write me an email on the podcast at beyond-hmi.de Tune in next time, take care and stay healthy.